Welcome to the Make Music Income Podcast with Stephen Bedall of the Production Music Academy and me, Eric Copeland of Make Music Income. In this podcast, we'll talk about our experiences in music licensing as music artists with online channels, our publishing and royalty incomes, and our combined over 40 years experience as music producers for hire. So let's get started with today's episode. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode number 31 of the Make Music Income podcast. My name is Stevie B. I'm here with Eric Copeland of MakeMusicIncome.com. And uh, this episode is brought to you by ProductionMusicAcademy.com. And the title of today's episode is How Do You Know When You're Ready to Submit Music to Libraries? Um, or you know, pitch it to whomever. Uh, the same question could be asked about pitching your music to uh, a music label, uh, you know, or a music supervisor or, or whatever, right? So we're, we're going to explore some ideas that I think... Or royalty-free. Yeah, exactly. Or, or stock libraries, exactly. So uh, we want to explore some ideas that I think will help you um, build your confidence on your way towards that scary moment where, uh, you know, you do finally, uh, let decide to let go and just put your music out there. Uh, and we'll talk about our own experiences with this. Um, I certainly have, um, I've struggled, uh, you know, with my confidence, uh, in, in my music in the past and I've had, you know, fear of rejection. And I think that the fear of rejection is really the, the big part of what holds many of us back from, uh, putting ourselves out there, uh, in the first place. Um, but yeah, before we get into all that, let's do a quick recap of, uh, what's been going on this week. Uh, Eric, we, we spoke on Monday. We, uh, so I don't know if a it's whole a lot has happened week. since then, <laughs> but what's been going on yeah. with you? Well, uh, I've had an, an interesting week. Um, basically, uh, just trying to continue writing. Um, I finished a, a demo, an, an initial demo for a song that I've written with my uncle. It's kind of a gospel type oh, nice. of song. He's a, a, a poet more than a lyricist. So he'll send me poems and I will take them and try to turn them into lyrics. Not everyone will work. And so sometimes he'll send me something. I'm like, eh, I don't know about that. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, teaching uh, poets to be lyricists involves teaching them how to write choruses because most poets write ver very strophic verses uh, type things and don't write repeating choruses, right? Only songs really repeat like a, a, um, a refrain over yeah. and over. But sometimes poems do, and this one did. So that turned out well. He's really happy with it, and now it's it's kind of off the off the grid. It's a very uh, dramatic, almost like a Broadway type of song. And so um, it's time to get out the old uh, uh, Ableton, not Ableton, I don't use Ableton. Time to get out the old <laughs> Albion one oh, right. that I just purchased and, and start to orchestrate this thing a bit. So that's I'll be working on that here for a while. Nice. Um, also working on a song and, uh, that is not mine that... Um, I've told the story before, but a few months ago in a music review Tuesday, I got a song from, I can't remember his name right now, but it was a beautiful orchestration, and I thought it was his song. It turns out it was an American uh, singer-songwriter song that he had just done an orchestrated version of, and she had given him the okay for that, and I am just in love with this song. It's called Disappear. It's a really cool pop song. Cool. Kind of... Um, 
anyway, uh, I got in contact with her and said, can I do uh, like a version that we could then, including his orchestration, but and your voice and all her cool vocal stuff she's got going on, and and really uh, maybe take it to the next level with some guitar and drums and and kind of take it to the final level for kind of sending it. I'm I'm, I'm starting a new library kind of of, of uh, big pop rock stuff, okay. and this would fit in that kind of stuff. Very esoteric rock and pop um, in in an emotional, uh, even, uh, I don't know, a weird kind of awesome way, you know. Um, we were talking earlier about an artist that we'll talk about in a minute. Very, very big, like like uh, like Adele or somebody like that, you know. Yeah. But on the this is a ballad type of song, but it's really cool. Cool. So uh, having fun and work, and, and that doesn't happen to me often where I say, oh, I really want to work on some artist's current song. Uh, I usually work on either old stuff that I'm completely redoing or my own stuff. But also I started an orchestral trailer type track this week. Oh yeah. So we'll see nice. we'll see where that goes. Yeah, just digging into Albion One and trying to do some things. You could uh, um, you should submit that for the the uh, Academy challenge for June. I don't know if that's totally outside your comfort zone, but that's kind of No, I would love to, but it's not going to be ready. I do have okay. a song that I'm going to submit to that. Tell me, uh, how, when, what's the deadline for that? Because I've got Well, I'm going to do a live stream on July 6th, so anytime before that. Oh, July 6th, okay. Yeah. Well, I may have this done. I don't know. I, I have a um, another thing that I did recently that was more of a, it was, I wouldn't say it's out, nothing I don't feel, I don't feel like anything's out of my comfort zone because I do lots of different kinds of things. I've done everything. But this one I did recently, and I'll send it along. Uh, I also have a lo another lo-fi-ish type of thing I'm working on. I have an ethnic type of thing I'm working on. And then continuing the country and Christmas stuff for sync uh, is going on. Uh, been really enjoying uh, and, and having, I don't know, just, just bowled over by the response to my ebook. You know, sales every day. And nice. people just uh, uh, buying the ebook. Uh, it's called The Stock Market Where, Why, and How to Submit Your Music to Stock Music Licensing. You can find that at the, uh, the makemusicincome.com site. And so, yeah, that's been going on. So, hey, I, I've never really done any kind of sales other than consults and things like that from my channel. Right. So, it's kind of fun, you know, to see that come in, you know, and just see those sales pop up you know every day yeah, so it's, it's very neat it's like uh, uh and then in teaching um get i have a video coming out tomorrow with clint music who is uh, a pretty well-known uh guy in our space who teaches licensing from kind of a different perspective the whole beat and hip-hop and uh you know perspective yeah but um so we had we had some some really good talks and it's we talk so long. We're gonna. I'm gonna split it up into like three videos. But um, that's coming out tomorrow. And then at school, it's MIDI week and Logic week. Um, and so we're talking beat making. We're talking verses and choruses and chords so that they can begin to write songs. As we're gonna start doing, they're gonna have to start building a lot of songs with verses and choruses um, with with Logic and Pro Tools. And so that's what's going on in my world. How about you? Nice. Uh, well, I had a great night last night. I uh, got to see my uh, my wife uh, perform. <laughs> my lady. 
perform at uh, the Sarah McLaughlin School of Music here in Vancouver, oh, which cool. is, um, yeah, this is a school that uh, that teaches um, you know music to underprivileged uh, kids in the Vancouver area, and uh, it's it's a great school. And uh, she's wanted to work there for a long time. She just started this year, um, so she's still quite new there. Um, but they did like a little uh, wrap-up party for uh, for the teaching year, at, where basically all the teachers um, perform for uh, you know the students, and um, and uh, it was amazing. She I, I got to see her uh, perform this uh, incredible piece uh, by Brahms, and nice. uh, she you know I can really really relate to this, but like throughout COVID, I think because we became so like insulated in our um, you know in lockdown. Um, we both kind of developed a bit of like performance anxiety, you know, like it was hmm. kind of tough for me to, to go back on stage after, uh, after being away from it for so long. And, um, it kind of took me a little while to get into the groove, but she hasn't performed at all. Um, and so she had a kind of like a tough day leading up to it cause she was feeling really nervous about it and, and to make it even, uh, you know, scary, more scary, uh, Sarah McLaughlin herself was there in the front row watching. Wow. Um, wow. So I'm like, damn, you know, I would have been really nervous for that. Just like a, having an icon sit right in front of me while you're performing yeah. for the first time in like, you know, literally like two years. Uh, but she killed it. I was so proud of her. Um, and uh, yeah, I, it was just a really special moment. And uh, all the other teachers did a great job too. And then Sarah herself went on and uh, uh, and performed. And I got, you know, a little front, I was literally, she literally just, playing piano and playing guitar right in front of me it was, it was super cool and uh you really got to uh, you know I, I really understood why it is that she is uh she is an icon um and a canadian treasure and uh it mm -hmm. was it was a really beautiful night so um yeah she's amazing yeah yeah it was it was great um other than that uh yeah i got another uh commission from artlist so i'm gonna be working on my next project with them which is not gonna be lo-fi hip-hop um, it's going to be, uh, it's kind of actually hard to describe. It's kind of, you were kind of reminding me of it when you were talking about like the big pop stuff. It's not so much ballad -y, but it's, it's kind of like f fast tempo, uh, like the way that they're characterizing it is, is like, um, road trip vibes. So gotcha. uh, I can't really describe it, but it's kind of like, um, grandiose sort of pop, but it's very, very fast tempo, almost kind of like EDM ish. Um, maybe with orchestral, not, not, well, it, not orchestral, but like kind of textural, um, piano driven, uh, it could be guitar driven, but, uh, like really like, you know, rhythmic and like, and like super high tempo, like really like, you know, fast, uh, energy. It's really hard for me to describe it. I'm not exactly sure, Apparently, but the yeah. references were, were interesting. <laughs> anyway, I'm really excited to kind of dig into it because, um, I, I'm confident that I can write something like that, but, uh, it's, it's certainly a little bit. A different than writing lo-fi hip-hop so it'll be a right. it'll be a different experience altogether um speaking of hip-hop working on more uh 90s inspired uh you know uh, high energy hip-hop um this might shape up into into like a next course for the academy i, I just posted a, like a track breakdown in the academy last uh yesterday uh for uh, for the 90s hip-hop track that i worked on it's been submitted to motion array so we'll see how it does there uh, Motion Array, as we as we know, has got a long queue for uh, tr uh, for the reviews of the track these days, so it probably won't go live for another week or so, uh, at least. Um, and yeah, otherwise, learning how to use uh, After Effects um, to make little animations to create 
marketing material for the singles that I'm going to release uh, in the coming months. Um, first one's going to be my collab with uh, one of the members of the Academy, David. Uh, and this is like a lo-fi track that we worked on. And I actually had to use After Effects quite a bit back when I worked for um, a, a, a label. And I was sort of tasked with uh, making these little animations to kind of help promote the singles and stuff. There um, has to be an easier way. You're talking about for the like uh, animation for the words and stuff. Animation for the words and for the and for like the objects in like so what they oh. what what I'd have to do is like the artist would give me artwork um, in PSD form, and so I'd have to like break down the elements of the artwork. It's Photoshop then, form. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, Photoshop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'd get a Photoshop file and then I'd have to sort of like uh, divide all the elements and then create, you know, little animations. Uh, it wouldn't, sometimes it would be words, uh, but most of the time it would just be like, you know, making things spin, uh, get bigger, smaller, that kind of thing. Just a, something mm -hmm. a little bit more interesting than just a static image. Um, so, so when we posted, you know, uh, like uh, stories and, and, uh, and reels and that kind of thing like that, it's a lot of work. It was so much work, but once you, it's one of those things where you kind of, you get better at it and, uh, you, you can get pretty quick at it. So that's what I'm doing with my own artwork now. Um, and yeah, if you follow me on Instagram at, uh, at Stephen Bettel, then, uh, I guess probably in the month, month or two ahead, you'll probably see some of these pop up. Uh, but I'm also going to, yeah, create um, some some uh, Facebook ads and uh, kind of test the waters out with uh, trying to get people um, to listen to it on Spotify. We'll we'll see how it goes. It's going to be a gigantic experiment. I'm really excited to uh, to sort of share that whole journey on YouTube. Uh, if I ever get around to making uh, a video, it's going to be so crazy for the next couple of weeks. Uh, I'm not sure I'm even going to be able to uh, get any time to make a YouTube video. Um, so. Yeah, uh, this is sort of the last, I guess it's the last uh, episode I'm going to do on the podcast for a couple of weeks, and there'll be um, maybe a fill-in. Um, it's rumored. Yes, we have a surprise guest, uh, a surprised uh, guest, uh, Stevie. Uh, he'll be a Steve uh, replacement <laughs> for the scrubs will come in for uh, a week or so, or a scrub will come in. <laughs> and be part of this. So I, I guess I can announce it now, yes. if that's okay with you. Um, if you are a follower of this channel, um, and, and soon, uh, even Steve will be on his channel, but Dave Croft is gonna come in and kind of sub for Steve for a few weeks on our podcast, and so it may be a little different, may look a little different. Uh, we'll probably use his software. He has a software that he uses to do side-by-side -side stuff a little bit more full screen. Okay. And so kind of like uh, the, my interview with uh, Anthony Clint tomorrow, he had the same kind of software. I think it's called Ecamm or something like that. But cool. Um, yeah, um, Dave's going to – we had lunch the other day. We got a burger because uh, we live here in the same town. And so we uh, – he, he even before Steve told me he was going to have to take the time off, Dave was like, if you ever need a sub, let me know. It would be fun to do. I would love to do it. And uh, we, we're looking for something else to do together anyway. So it will be fun for uh, for a few weeks to, to, to talk with Dave. He's I, a, I don't know if you – He's a funny I, guy. I don't know if Dave might listen to this or, or, or maybe, maybe, maybe not. But uh, I was checking out his Instagram yesterday, and he's got so many uh, great pictures of, of – uh, of of all this barbecue that that he does and i'm just oh yeah like, he is big on barbecue wings <laughs> and all that kind of stuff it yeah, made me hungry yeah. looking through his instagram pictures i was like damn it's 
part of his deal. I got to yeah. get you guys up, up here for some barbecue, for some Canadian Man, we, we all should have flown up for the wedding is what we should have done. Oh, like, man. For the reception or something. It's not too late. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, uh, July 9th, it's the big day for me. It's going to so. be a party. Yeah, everything is getting a little bit hectic around here. Uh, my family, the whole family is about to fly in, so uh, that's going to be crazy. Yeah, um, it is. But anyway, well, uh, we should dig into today's let's topic. Let's dig in. Yeah. yeah. So I was going to ask you, actually, if you, you know, looking back on your career, if you ever kind of had a moment where, I mean, I feel like we all do at some point, but it, could you kind of pinpoint a moment where you were able to sort of like break through in terms of, you know, finding confidence in your in yourself as a musician, as a, a producer or whatever? Or was there a time when you kind of struggled to sort of, you know, find your footing? Um, and, uh, and did you ever kind of struggle with any self-doubt in terms of like whether you were, say, good enough to, to do the job in the first place, like looking back? I don't think so. Um, I, I always knew that I was, you know, I think everybody watching this probably lives in a town where they, in a lot of ways, know that they, even at their very core, without really productions or whatever, they just probably might have more talent than, than, the, than most people. I mean, it's, it's gotten different lately because everybody thinks they can make beats and make everything now because the tools are free and all that kind of stuff. But um, I, I I mean, it's not that I thought I was the most talented person in town, but I knew I was one of them. I was not in a big town. I wasn't in Nashville. I was in uh, Kentucky in, a town, in Lexington, Kentucky. And um, I, I didn't think I was the most talented person ever, but I knew for what I did, for the unique thing that I did, my own music was, was unique and it was good. But I, I think my where my uh, insecurities may have come in, if there were any, it wasn't insecurities. It was just lack of, of, of opportunity and uh, because of gear. Mm -hmm. I came up in a different time than you and people who are young, who are even younger than you. Uh, people coming up now who are in their twenties have a wealth of 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 tools to yeah. work with. Right. I mean, I had a reel-to-reel -reel tape deck, two microphones, and a piano, and that's all I had. And then I started getting synthesizers, but still, I have no—I had no multi-track recording, so I had to either bounce stuff or eventually. And and you know, it was like watching the grass grow. You're waiting for that next piece of technology to finally come to m let you be able to do what you want to do. And maybe there's people who feel like that now. I don't have a computer. I can't do anything. Well, you have a phone, and phones do more than anything I ever had when I was a teenager. Yeah, right. Or, any, or even in my 20s, it was, a, it was a struggle to find recording software unless you had three or $4,000 to buy a 16 or 8-track recording tape deck of some yeah. kind. Yeah. And so I just waited and waited and waited and had a computer and got stuff and it got MIDI and eventually got to the point, I guess probably in the early 90s or late, probably early 90s before I had recording gear to do multi-track recording on a computer. So, and that, and at that time I was almost in my 30s. So, um, and even over those next 10 years, it took a long time to get to the place where I felt like I could do good stuff because I didn't have good samples or whatever. And and that wasn't because um, 
they existed and I just didn't go get them. They didn't exist or they weren't that affordable. And now you can get GarageBand. Boy, if I'd had GarageBand in the twenty in my twenties, I would I would have ruled the world. I could have ruled the world much faster than I do now. But yeah. um, but you know I I think that that was that was my if I had to deal with something that was the thing. And I know people now who are twenty something. They say I just don't have a machine. I don't have a I don't have a, the right computer. I don't have a MacBook. I don't have Logic. I don't have blah 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 I don't have the thing I think that's a crutch because now you, yeah. you you're not you're not handicapped if you have a phone if you have an a, a any kind of tablet if you have the, an old computer you can you can be up and running and doing stuff so technology 100%. can't be your crutch anymore it's no excuse anymore yeah I mean yeah. It, unless unless there's a barrier to you being able to like you know invest a couple hundred dollars or something like that basically you know to get an old computer and maybe a like a microphone that could do something uh, record something half decent um, there, I mean yeah the 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 sky's the limit in terms of like there's really very little barrier in terms of uh, being able to create um, uh, you know good music it's got, like well-produced music uh, at this point um, the technology was always kind of there for me uh, you know because I didn't really start getting into like actually recording myself until about like you know re- uh, you know 2000 or so when I was like 16 or something like that um, and even then there was like fruity loops and like those digital uh, you know the digital space for recording music was kind of uh it was it was there you know i think there was like cakewalk and um that kind of stuff so you could i, I could write music essentially the second i decided to uh you know start writing music the, the technology was available um so so yeah that's certainly i'll also say that you know this really shows my age but i have been going to Na- i had started going to nashville to show off my demos which were on cassette tape and were just mainly piano and vocal demos since I was 18 years old. And so that was almost 40 years ago. And so I have been going there and showing those demos off. And again, because I only could record so much, but even even back then demos were supposed to be like that. They were supposed to be less produced, you know, and just show the the song. And and I probably was in the other problem I had personally, and and I was in the wrong place geographically. And I know a lot of people deal with that in this world, and that watch our podcast and yeah. are in India or or they are in uh, the Ukraine or they're in places that make it impossible, if not very difficult, to to really get their songs heard to 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 make those to to get to the city or the people that they need to now. Remember, there was also no internet at this time, so I couldn't pitch to libraries uh, it, back then. I had to literally either send in a cassette tape, which was like sending into a black hole, or I had to literally go to Nashville to show off my songs. But the problem was, I was writing pop songs and then jazz songs. Nashville was the wrong place to go, and I was going to these country and uh, maybe gospel places, and I was doing more advanced stuff than they wanted to hear. Not that they were, I was like more advanced. I mean, I was using chords that they didn't usually use because they were doing more simplistic stuff. So that was probably my other handicap as far as getting, if we're talking about how do you get, know your music is ready to get to that next place, to to pitch to that place that you want to pitch to. And I think it could be anything. I mean, we're talking licensing libraries, but it could be 
um, either royalty-free or sync licensing libraries, but it could be pitching to a publisher. It could be yes. pitching to yeah. um, uh, a, a, a classical um, stage company or pitching to a Broadway exactly, per, yeah. uh, musical. Where, where, whatever your genre is or goal is with music, it could be all that. Or, or just trying to get clients. You know, How do you know your music is ready and how do you get it ready? And so... I think I've got I, thoughts I th about that. Yeah, you know, I have a lot of thoughts about it too. And it, it, someone asked me this uh, question in the academy the other day, and um, it's one of the members, Mariano. Um, and it really had me thinking, you know, about like looking back on on my own trajectory. And it's like it's not actually always that clear when you are ready, but you're always ready for something. You know, mm -hmm. you might not always be ready for the, you know, the whatever the highest thing is you're aiming for, but you're usually ready for something. Um, and which is why I think, you know, we talk a lot about the how stock libraries are kind of a good training ground um, if you're not feeling like you're quite confident enough to uh, right. or feeling like you're quite prepared enough to 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 send your music to like, you know, maybe like a one of these major label owned uh, sync libraries or whatever you can. Uh, there's always something like Pond5, which is sort of uh, a, a good place to get started because they don't reject a ton of music. You know, they kind of take take it all in and. Um, you know, this is a good testing ground for for folks to see. You know, like put your music up there and see if it see if you sell something. Um, once you know, maybe you might not find that confidence that you need until uh, you make that first sale. And I think that for me, that was sort of like an affirmation um, that uh, that I was on the right track. Especially when I first uploaded music to Audio Jungle, I remember distinctly going through listening to some of the music. And being like, I, I can't write something this that that's this good. Or I can't write something like you know that it just sounds. I was intimidated by a lot of what I heard, and I was like, I'm not writing or producing music at this level. Um, I don't feel like I have any business uploading my own music to this library. Um, but I did it anyway, uh, just because there was really yeah. nothing to lose by trying. And um, sure enough, you know, I made a few sales, and that kind of projected. You know that kind of gave me the momentum I needed to move on to uh, you know bigger and better things. So I think um, there's a lot of folks out there who sort of feel like they're not ready. Um, and I and I think that actually I don't know if you would agree with this, but I think a lot a lot of folks kind of fall fall on either um, f being too precious and feeling like they're never ready and kind of like never sending anything out, or just sending out stuff way before they're ready. Um, you know, and it's sort of hard to find that middle ground. And um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of suggestions we can make in terms of like trying to find that balance. But um, I think I talked about this in my recent interview on Clint's channel, and he um, he asked me my for my journey, and I've told this. I think I told it on his channel, I told it on somebody else's, but uh, maybe Dave's. But um, you know, a big piece of my success any success I am having in any kind of licensing, but especially in the sync licensing side, is that I made a decision to focus there. In other words, um, I was a full-time producer uh, in, in mostly out of Nashville for clients. And so um, I was doing all that there with all the players and all the engineers and all that. But I was, focused, I was focused at that time, or I, my job was to create music for clients mm -hmm. and make sure that they had good singles and albums to put out. 
But when I, I decided to really kind of shift the focus to my compositions for, for sync licensing, uh, at the time I didn't know about royalty-free, so I didn't know about that. But um, I, I went on a three-year kind of turning the ship towards writing just for those libraries. And I wanted to write songs and not trailer music or, mm -hmm. or cues or whatever. I wanted to write songs. I, I just wanted to write a lot of pop songs, a lot of positive pop songs that would work in television shows and, 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 and advertising and things. And so I did. And, and I, I really focused on that. I, I turned most of my attention, my every waking bit of time that I had that I wasn't working for clients, I've, I, and I, I said, this is going to be the future. This, you know, and it's kind of like the students who are coming to the school where I work and they're saying, I'm getting a recording engineering uh, kind of, or recording certificate or degree or whatever, because I'm changing in the direction of my life. I don't want to do landscaping anymore and yeah. mow yards. I want to do, uh, you know, music work full time. And so I want to know logic and pro tools and I want to know songwriting and I want to know how to how to record things and put and microphone mic things and all that. All that to say they're making a change. They're making a shift in their thinking towards a thing. And I think whatever your th your thing is going to be that you're going for, whatever how do you how do you get good enough to get there? It takes a it takes a focus towards that. And I think sometimes people just kind of on a whim go Oh, I just saw a video. I think I'll do some some music licensing now and see if that works out for me. And uh, I think a lot of the people who are watching this who have found any kind of success, including people who are in your academy or people who are watching my channel or whatever, have have made a years long uh, a goal and switch. And we've watched mm -hmm. them go from being mediocre to very good. Watch several and people. It's, Take that, yeah. Take that lead, and it, yeah. It's because they made a decision and they began to work purposely towards it. Yes. Period. Yeah, a hundred percent. I I would say there's there's two things I want to talk about in in, in terms of like trying trying to build uh, confidence and and trying to you know uh, get to a place where you feel like you are absolutely ready. Um, one one is that you should be open to uh, feedback um, on your work and um, you know listen to what other people are saying uh about the work and sometimes the people people will be wrong they'll share opinions that aren't necessarily uh correct sometimes they'll be dead on um but i think that if you're just getting feedback from your friends and family it's probably um it's it's probably not the the greatest thing alone to rely on because i think you know you need somebody to kind of tell you uh the give you some honest uh feedback about your work that's not trying to hurt your feelings, but just kind of trying to tell you what you need to hear. Um, I was really lucky looking back on like my first sort of licensing uh, work was I was working for this boutique library that uh, was just getting started and they were paying um, for tracks up front, the same way that Artlist is now. But um, I was making, you know, money per track, so per finished track. And sometimes I would work on these tracks for like for days and then, you know, I would get this like scathing feedback not negative but just very you know it's very honest being like hey you know what this isn't that good <laughs> you know and here's why and you get so attached to these songs that you spent like you know hours writing that it it's almost impossible to 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 like not let that kind of hurt you uh you know a little bit um 
And so I kind of grew some thick skin uh, because of that whole experience. But man, I really needed to hear that stuff. You know, and looking back on it, uh, it's the kind of feedback I give people now in the academy. And it was so helpful for me, man. You know, it was really, really helpful to get that 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 honesty uh, so early in, in uh, the licensing game. Um, so I think feedback really, really helps uh, if you're getting it from the right uh, right people and it's coming from a place of, uh, you know, not necessarily just kind of sharing your opinions on whether you like it or not, but like kind of looking at it objectively and saying why this will or will not work in licensing space. So uh, that's one thing. Um, and another thing I just want to quickly say is just, I, I really feel as though you have to always look at being experimental and, and like the, the learning experience, the, the learning trajectory never ends. You know, I'm always feeling like I, I like I have to learn something new and I'm always experimenting and I push this philosophy, uh, you know, really hard in the, in the academy. I'm always pushing myself to, to try new things, to try new styles of music, uh, put myself outside of the comfort zone. And uh, through that experimentation, I sort of um, am able to kind of grasp things better over time. It's just, it's just something that's worked for me, you know? Like, I, I don't want to just stick to one thing uh, always and, like, kind of keep digging at it and, like, perfecting one thing. I kind of want to uh, push myself out there to try new new styles, new genres, and that, in doing so, I kind of, um, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I just feel like you have to be open to trying new things. And that, to me, is a good segue into the next thing I want to talk about, which is, I think, um, and, and, and this is something for me, I don't know if it's necessarily something for you, because you are multi-talented, you are also a multiplayer. But for me, the, the, the difference in my success came when I went to Nashville, but it wasn't just moving to Nashville, it was the people that I began to work with. It, it, I had always been told everything I did was good. Everyone always liked it, not just friends and family, but pros even would say, this is very good, it's just not what we're looking for. Mm -hmm. Or this is good, but it's not hitting the commercial area that we work on, this publishing company or this label or whatever. And I knew I was right there. I knew I was on the precipice of getting something getting that thing. I kept thinking, oh, this is it. This is going to be the trip to Nashville. That's going to make it all happen. This is going to be the time I would get like in the finals for a contest or something with songs. And I'd say, this is going to be it. I'm going to win. And finally, I'm going to get a deal and people, I'm going to get in the in crowd. I'm going to get inside of the industry, uh, break through the walls of the, of the, of the castle of the music industry and be inside of it instead of outside of it as like this um, wannabe was not the right word because I was a, I was already doing stuff and getting paid to do it and making good stuff. I knew I was because artists were selling it and they were having good success with it. But I just never got to that next level until I quit doing it all right here. And this is for me, and this is not for everybody. But I think not everybody can be a Stevie B who can play guitar at a level that is going to help you do all those things and program drums and all that kind of stuff. For me, it took meeting guitarists, meeting drummers, meeting bass players, meeting engineers especially, and getting that 
and when I did that, suddenly my music quint- added dimension to it. And I think not enough people, everybody is trying to do the I can do it all from home thing, especially since COVID, everybody is like, oh, I, oh, I can't do anything else other than be at home. Mm-hmm. But anybody who has started to stretch out, uh, like the, the, the Disappear song I was talking about, where a songwriter led a guy from Europe uh, orchestrated it and t- took it on another level. And now I'm taking all those levels and going to make it into another level. The dimensionality is only growing for this song. And um, when I started to use players and uh, singers and engineers in Nashville and, and and elsewhere, not just Nashville, but here in Orlando and, and on Sound Better, I use a, a site called Sound Better that has singers in Los Angeles and different people. Everybody adds a dimension level on top of that, and suddenly my music, all these songs, yeah, I I steered towards licensing, but I steered in the same way that I was doing it in Nashville. I, I would say, okay, if I'm going to develop a song for you, artist, we're going to use this band because these people are perfect for your thing. And when we put it all together, and we bring all the talent together, we put this big team together, this is the way labels do things. It's not just Billie Eilish and her brother in the bedroom. It's a lot of times a bigger team than that. It's, it's you know, uh, people, uh, a bigger, not necessarily a studio, but it could be the studio that's part of it. But it's engineers, it's mastering engineers, it's, you know, different people who are involved in different parts of the production. For me, that has always been the secret of my success, especially once I got to Nashville. And now with sync licensing, I wouldn't, I would say that, uh, 70, 80 to 90 percent of what I'm getting licensed is not made here completely. It's mm-hmm. it's has players in it. It has partners. It has other people adding other dimensions, adding more to it than just what I can do with my brain and my fingers. And I think that that is something that some people need to think about yeah. because we we I think for stock music you can get away with almost programming your head off and 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 throwing it in there but I think when you get to the next level of things label level when you get to sync level you need to be thinking about working with other people and collabing more and all that kind of stuff because you likely are not able to do it all by yourself and even I can't I think most you people know? yeah like I, I mean I'll come up we all come up against uh, on a limit in terms of like what we can do on our own um, I mean I'm certainly uh, finding that with like some of the folky singer songwriter stuff that I'm writing I mean I could I could program I mean I could play all the guitar parts easily and uh, I could I could program some uh, some textural and uh, you know and rhythm rhythmic backup stuff uh, you know uh, without any problem in logic but uh, and I can sing too, you know, I can sing and, uh, but th- the thing is, is that I think to really sell it, like I need some extra help, which is why I always enlist the, uh, the help of my friend, Missy, who's a fantastic singer and our voices together are something bigger than just what I could deliver on my own. Um, yeah. and that's kind of a, you know, a, a smaller example of, 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 you know, just looking outside of my little room here with what I got in my tools, uh, to, in order to elevate the, the quality of, uh, of the, the stuff that I'm working on. Um, you know, I mean, you're talking about working with like a, a ton of different players, which is amazing. I mean, that's a whole new level. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, I definitely come up on a limit in terms of like what I could, uh, create just in, in the comfort of my room here. Uh, if I, if I, you know, the, the, yeah, I can't, uh, speak highly enough of uh, all the amazing 
players that I have at my disposal here in Vancouver. And when I need to create something that's not sounding like too uh, too stocky or too uh, daw-ish, then I gotta move, I gotta look outside the box here and 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 yeah. enlist the help of people outside the yeah. box. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and, and and going outside the box is going to bring an, up another word that's going to be hard for people to listen to and, and, to, and to get into, but and that is you're going to probably have to invest in your productions outside of what you can do yourself. And that might, and when I say invest, I don't just mean time, which is one thing, but also invest in people's, other people's thoughts, invest obviously in paying players. I talk to my students and I, I have a saying and then they once I say it, they know. I say, and so when I need something good and I can't do it, what am I gonna do? And they say, pay somebody. That's right, I'm gonna pay somebody to do a better job than I'll do. If I need a real great drum sound and my drum drumming is fine, my MIDI drumming is as good as anybody's, but if I want that real band sound, like on a lot, a lot of this country stuff, yeah, I could have played MIDI drums, but it's not the same mm -hmm. as having a real country, a, a real drummer playing country parts. It's just, it's different. There's a, there's an energy. There's a, a sound. There's a, um, there's just a, a more organicness to it. And loops and samples are only going to get you so far with every single thing in the world. And so. Um, you know, same with guitar. If you're a guitarist, you have guitar chops. But for those of us who aren't guitarists, we really have to have a guitarist. I mean, we can fake guitar mm -hmm. with some native instrument stuff. Yeah. But for the most part, it, it, to move faster and to move better, you're going to you should have a great guitarist that works for you. You should hire Stevie yeah, hire to me. work for you and and pay him <laughs> pay him a hundred bucks a song to do a guitar part. That's what you should do. We still got it. We still. I mean, you can hire Eric for the keys. You can hire me for the for the guitar. You make a great and, team. And and by the way, just so you know, I, you can hire Nashville players if through me. So if you there ever you have yeah. uh, a, a a need for a great part by a bass or a guitar or drums or keys or anything, if I can't do it, I, and I'm very honest when I when you come to me with a certain style and I go, that's not me on keys. Mm -hmm. That's that's this guy Jason or that's this guy. Or you know, you need a certain kind of drummer, or you need a certain kind of bass player, or whatever. Um, I, I have always, especially since I moved to Nashville, and quit being the one-man band guy. That's when my career took off, as far as production and as far as getting accepted into bigger opportunities like libraries and publishing and things like that. That's cool. That's cool. Um, yeah, that's it. That's but somebody has to invest in that. Usually it was my clients. And now a lot of times I have partners in a lot of these songs that are going out to sync libraries. And so they are partners and help me. They are kind of executive producers who work on the song with me. They may co-write it as well or pick the song with me. And then they pay for the players and I produce it. And so we both kind of invest in it and then we we pitch it. And so you might need to find investors, people who co-invest with you mm -hmm. um, who, so that you can go out and reach out and get other players to, to do the things that you're not great at. And uh, there's no shame in that. There, it, that's the way of the business, the record business for recording business for for all of time. Get great people. Pay. Yes. I mean, uh, it, a, a, a contractor knows how to do all the jobs in building a house. He can do the electric. He can do the plumbing. He can do the roofing. He can do all those things, but he doesn't. 
he hires other better electric people, other better plumbers, other better roofers. Plus, he, he has too many jobs to do. He has too many houses to build. He can't sit there and do all of that himself. Yeah, I mean, so, we already wear so many hats. You know, yep. like I'm, I'm my own mixing and mastering engineer and I'm playing all the instruments and it's like, it's a lot, man. But so, And it's like, it's hard. It's legitimately difficult to be good at all those things at the same time. Uh, and it's a lot of work, so hiring other people to help you out is for some of... styles like EDM and stuff. You, that's a it's a different deal. It's a programmed type of, type of work. Yes, exactly. But for yeah. acoustic music that you're trying to do out at next level than royalty free music, um, you know, don't be afraid to invest in players and invest in um, other people to help you for sure. Speaking of fear, uh, I want to circle back to the idea of. Uh, fear of rejection. Um, this is something I mentioned in the intro. It's, I think this is something that holds a lot of us back. And I know, I mean, Eric, you're a pretty confident guy. And I think um, that there's a lot of other folks out there listening who might not kind of share in that, that same level of confidence. Um, I, looking back at my own kind of, uh, you know, experience with with like music licensing uh, or just, you know, audio, or audio production, there's, I, I've had many moments where I kind of struggle to find my own confidence in it. And uh, I have a habit of being very hard and very self-critical, um, you know, very, very hard on myself. Um, and, uh, you know, constantly comparing myself to others that are, that are better than me and then kind of talking myself down in the process. Now, um, there's been so many moments, <laughs> like even like, for example, uh, before I applied to Artlist, I would I would you know spend a lot of time listening to the music that was on there and and just feeling like oh, I can't I'm not I'm not that I'm not good enough for this you know like there's this self talk thing that happens uh, that's just kind of unhealthy and then at one point you know I just decided just like screw it I'm just gonna send the music and see what happens um, and sure enough it got through and they loved it right and then and then then I, I look back on that thinking like man I wasted a lot of time convincing myself. Uh, that I wasn't ready for this. Uh, and I think that a lot hmm. of us, you know, um, might be might be actually holding ourselves back because we are, like, are in fact ready. Uh, but it's kind of like what I said before, like a lot of us, you know, some of us fall into this camp where we're like, we're putting everything out there before we're actually ready to do it. And others are like, are like me, which like maybe a little bit too precious and like holding ourselves back because... Do you mean like... Uh, I don't know if I should put my face on this YouTube channel. I'm yeah, not comfortable exactly. with that. Exactly. And Steve goes, yes, you should. And so <laughs> I did. And here we are. You know, for better I, or for worse, you got to look at this face all the time, thanks to Steve. So. <laughs> I, I see. I, the, the way I think about it is you don't really have much to lose, if anything, to lose by trying. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, because I, I, I think some people I, I have this worry that like, and I don't think, I don't know if you experience this with putting your face on YouTube, but like that there is going to be some, like you're going to, uh, you know, burn some bridges with libraries. Uh, you know, if you send them music that, and they're mm. just like, this is bad. And they're going to put you on the bad list. You know, I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe. I don't think so. I mean, I, they might put me on the bad list because of my videos. <laughs> YouTube might have. <laughs> I might put you on the bed. <laughs> they may go, oh, I saw this guy on the video. You don't want, you know, and, and uh, I remember in my tax interview, he said that, you know, oh, there's going to be library. Yeah, no, well, I was just said, thinking that. I'm like, oh, that. brother. But yeah. I don't care about that. Guess what? There's lots of libraries, lots of songs. And uh, That's the thing, to be man. honest, I'll just make music anyway if, if anybody doesn't take it. I, I've always felt like that. I, I've always felt like, you know what? 
I'm going to make what I'm going to make, and I'm going to I'm going to put it out there, and I'm I'm uh, I'm going to put it out there for the world to hear. If nothing else, I'll put it up on Facebook and Spotify like everybody else. Um, I, that's why I'm trying to talk so many people. It's so difficult to, uh, and maybe people just don't think they're good enough for Spotify either. I mean, totally. You, you think Even how SoundCloud, do, yeah. man? I think people have a hard time putting it up on SoundCloud. But that's just like that should be training to, ground for for Spotify. You know, just, it really just get is. it out there slowly. You don't have to like make this huge deal about it. Just kind of push it out there slowly and 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 find the confidence over time. It's like not like you got to make some big presentation. Um, you know what I mean? So yeah, I think people are more confident than than they than they used to be. I, I think we we live less in a and I, oh, I, I don't, I'm not very good. I, I shouldn't do this type of thing. I think more people have confidence. Maybe they have more confidence than they should sometimes. But, sometimes. Um, but still, I, I think that you've just got to, um, again, how do you, I, I think we, if we look back at this is, is how do you get ready? How do you know you're ready? Um, I talked about this recently. Uh, you know, there's a lot of ways to do it. You can you can get into Steve's Academy. Um, Steve and I both do things where we listen to people's music and give thoughts. Um, the Discord has a free feedback has a feedback thing that's very busy, and yeah. um, people love uh, to to give helpful con- constructive criticism there. It's not uh, for the most part. It's not. Uh, mean comments they're very they're constructive totally. and, yeah. uh, we kind of focus on making it constructive when I do my music review Tuesdays uh, I will say uh, you can say something and you can say something that's not like praising but make sure it's constructive um, just uh, don't praise it only because you praise everything Pr- praise and constructive you know mm-hmm. um, but just no nothing mean I mean, you're not that no, good no sense that, that you can say anything mean. There's no sense so, in that at all. Um, but yeah, I, I think things like that can help you find out how you are putting it on your uh, SoundCloud and then throwing it up to your Facebook and see what people say and see, you know, get past the bless your heart or get past the mom saying it's great or whatever and, and, and get some other feedback from, from people if that's something. But I think my, my big takeaways are prepare yourself prepare the music work on it don't wait forever to start showing it to people do what we were just talking about at least get it out there think about other dimensions that other than you if you need to get to another level quicker mm-hmm. if you want to move up faster find talent that makes your your stuff sound better um, because they are better maybe you're just not the person to produce it this, this is a possibility that you might have great music but your production skills are not and may not be ever what it takes to produce that music um, you, unless you of course go to steve's production music academy and then you'll learn all those things but yeah. um and then pr- be prepared to invest in your in your work whether that means investing in equipment, investing in time, investing in players or, or other people to help you. Or like so. courses and stuff. Yeah, I mean, because you could even pay someone to mix your work and then like or show you how to do it. You know what I mean? Like there's there was a, there's been a few people who have, you know, paid me to mix their tracks and then I'll just share my process. Like I'm not guarded about it, you know, just have a little Zoom I, session I do think and that share the actual whole process with them. I do think we need to be careful that not everybody watching this has to be the ultimate engineer 
um, has to be the ultimate mix person. I think sometimes we do make the mistake on some of these channels that saying anyone and every single person on the earth who watches this can be a mix engineer and can be a great player and can be a great singer or any of any and all of those things. Sometimes you just need a partner to help you realize the, the visions, things that are going on in your head. That's what I've been doing for folks for so many years. And a lot of them still don't go home and make music on their own. They, mm -hmm. they are singers. Most of them were singers or players, but, but they're not able to do all those things. And guess what? They don't have time to do all those things. So that's another thing to think about. Think about investing and, and dimensions outside of yourself. It's not something we talk about a lot on this channel. All our channels are based on, you can do this. We can teach you, we show you what we do and you can go do it too. Maybe that, and that's the truth for probably a lot of people watching these, these videos. But there will also be the possibility that you might need help. And don't yeah. be afraid to, to get that help and, and no, be okay be with not being the guy. Don't you, be the man. You can I do had a, to get- You can do a hell of a lot on your own. A hell of a lot, but there, you will all come up against a limit. Uh, I had to to get to the next level. I had to quit being the big fish in the small pond. Right. I had to eventually give up the fact that I could do everything on my keyboards. I had to realize that I couldn't. I had in order to hit some genres and please some clients and get in some libraries. I was going to have to use other people. Yeah. And I think of myself as a pretty talented guy who can make a lot of stuff. Almost everything I've made, I've made for royalty free has been completely in this room. But mm. when I am making bigger productions, I know where my limitations are, and I know that it would be better if I involve other people. 100%. And so, it's just a, just something to think about in this. I I know it's not part of our channels where we're trying to get people to pay other people other than. Uh, us for information or whatever you want to say, but you know what I'm saying. I, I I don't want everybody to think that we are the answer to all your problems and all our information will make you the ultimate engineer and ultimate mixer. Yeah. So, but at the same time, most of you watching this are able to do that and are focused on that. So yeah. that's great. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of us are. <laughs> a lot of the folks watching are kind of tackling a lot of things at once. I think it's, and I think it's great to be able to do that. But like you said, I th and I think that's a great spot to, to end uh, this is just, you know, like, don't be afraid. Uh, don't hesitate yeah. to reach out and and get some help because uh, it help ebooks or courses yeah. or uh, collabs or work with Steve or work with whoever that mm -hmm. can help you get to where you want to get to. Yeah. Um, we we'd love to help but we also can help you get the help you need, you know, or you can find it locally or you can find it on yeah, sound better. We love to help, it but we also place. require help for our own uh, Absolutely. sakes. So, you know, and so does everyone else. <laughs> yep. Um, so yeah, man, good talk. That's great. All right. Well, I hope this has helped. And um, yeah, uh, just, we hope to see you next week. Uh, and, and we'll be talking to you next week on the podcast. Steve, any last words, any last thoughts before you go off? into See you next wedded bliss. <laughs> Everybody blow, I feel like we're on the newlywed game, blow a kiss uh, to Steve and Milady that they have a good couple weeks. And I just wish you guys all the best just uh, Thanks, publicly man. here and hope it all goes well. Thanks, yeah, I'm excited. We're very excited. So uh, we'll see awesome. you guys soon. Thanks for watching as always. Thanks and, everybody. Uh, yeah, cheers guys. See you next time. Bye.
Thank you so much for listening, guys. We really appreciate it. Just a reminder to check out makemusicincome.com and productionmusicacademy.com. And you can find us both on YouTube as well. We both post regular content there. You can find me at Stevie B Production Music Academy and Eric's channel is called Make Music Income. We'd love to see you there. Feel free to like, share, and subscribe to our content. Also, feel free to join us in the Make Music Income Discord server. Lots of great conversation going on in there, and you can share your work and connect with other like-minded folks. It's a great community. So thanks again, and we'll see you in the next episode. Take care.